BP Nation, what's going on, guys? We are back on the podcast, and this week we have two special guests. That's right, you're getting two for the price of one as we sit down with Marilyn Kowalski and Connor Sigelski. Now, Marilyn has been on the show before. You may recognize her name. She is the founder of the Stronger Body Project, and Connor is her fiance and a fellow fitness enthusiast, and we are incredibly excited to sit down with these two and discuss all things fitness, nutrition, bodybuilding, relationships, married life, etc. And we cannot be more thrilled to share this conversation with you. So without further ado, let's get into the podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back to Ballistic Performance Radio. This is episode number 98, and we are here with some special guests. Ash is smiling at me, from grinning from ear to ear. I think she's excited. I'm excited, but uh, I'm going to give our guests a chance to introduce themselves and tell you a little bit about who they are and uh, what they do, maybe why they do it. They're going to give us whatever version they want to give us. So, uh, Marilyn Connor, you guys can go ahead and take it from here. All right. Well, um, for those of you who follow Ballistic uh, Performance Radio, I guess you could call it, right? Is it BPR? Yeah, That's right, you yeah. got it. Just Love like it. PBR, but better. <laughs> <laughs> um, you might have uh, already heard me on this podcast, but I will reintroduce myself. I'm Marilyn Kowalski. I am an online fitness coach. Um, I have a bodybuilding background. And um, yeah, I met Ash at the University of Pittsburgh. So that's how I know you guys. Yeah. It was just Sweet. meant to be. So. And I'm Connor Sigelski. Uh, I have no profession related to <laughs> fitness or anything like that. I'm actually an accountant in real estate. Um, but I do have a bodybuilding background and have always been involved in lifting and sports growing up. Um, and I know this one, Marilyn, because we're engaged. Um, so that's why I'm here. Love it. I was actually yeah. going to ask you, Connor, what you did. Because well, as we were, as you guys were logging on, I looked at Ash and I said, does he have like a, a real person job? Or, and like, <laughs> and if he does, what, what is it? <laughs> like, I, I was like, know. yes, he has a real person job. I was like, but I'm not exactly sure what it is. <laughs> yep. So real estate accounting is where I'm at. Okay. That's right. definitely a real person job. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> so what does a day-to-day -day real estate accountant do? Oh, I mean, in my position, um, so I work as like a senior accountant right now. So I have a couple people that I review a lot of their work for. Um, and then on my own, I have like a couple properties like across the U.S. that our company owns. And I do the reporting both internally and externally for those sites. And that's high level what I do. Nice. Very cool. Okay. Way above my pay grade. So <laughs> I'm glad you're doing that and not me. Uh, but yeah, I'm, we're so happy to have you guys on. And really, we just wanted to chat like about a little bit about everything, life, relationships, bodybuilding, maybe fitness. We'll get into it all, but we thought it'd be fun to have two fitness oriented couples in a, in a room together. We've been trying to do this with with you guys for a couple weeks now so we're pumped but uh i guess we can just start out where do you want to start ash relationships yeah let's start there maybe we'll we don't want to open any cans of worms but we're <laughs> going to try to start there 
we're open books so (laughs) (laughs) uh well cool um well you guys are in you're kind of just like a couple steps behind us in terms of like the relationship like progression right dating engaged married um so in terms of like your relationship when you went from dating to engage has anything changed in that transition that you want to share (laughs) so I guess I'll speak first nothing really changed I think that um we got engaged at kind of an unfortunate time because I think it was uh, July 2019. July 2019. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we got, we got engaged right before the pandemic hit, and we hadn't started wedding planning um, like you know before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So the only thing that's changed is that we still have to plan our wedding. And so that's kind of in the back of our heads. (laughs) But other than that, nothing has really changed. I think um, just over time, relationships naturally kind of um, grow in different ways and deepen in different ways. And, you know, you endure more challenges through time. They're not necessarily bad, but you just learn more about each other. Like there are things that we've learned about each other just, you know, this past month that we never knew about each other. So what about you? What do you think, Connor? Yeah, I mean, I always joke like when, I mean, up to the time we got engaged, we were dating for four, yeah, like four and a half years at that point, nearly. Um, so we knew like it was coming. Uh, and then the day we got engaged was super special, like no doubt. But the day after was like, okay, like business mm-hmm. as usual. So it was like as if nothing really changed. But what Madeline was just saying as far as things progress over time and even day-to-day, month-to-month, it couldn't be any more true. Um, It's, you know, and that's what keeps things interesting and, you know, enjoyable too. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm curious, did you guys, because you were in a similar situation, you dated a lot longer than us. We only dated for what, like a year and a half, maybe? I don't even know. Yeah. But we kind of, like <laughs> probably similar to you guys, we knew, like you had said. And then did, Marilyn, did you know that it was coming and or did you pick out the ring before the whole thing went down? No, I didn't have a choice in the ring. Um, <laughs> I got his grandmother's ring, which was really sweet. Oh. Um so I'll just answer that right away. Um, but I I don't remember if I knew it was coming. I feel like... I thought you had a hunch that day. I feel like I had a hunch, yeah. But... Because um, I was probably acting really weird. Yeah. I yeah, think Connor I was probably just nervous as fuck all day holding a ring in his pocket. And you were like, something's yeah. going on. And well, I... Yeah. I was going to say, we went on a hike. And like I proposed at the top. So I brought a book bag, but still, it was like every stop we took, I was just kind of like catting the outside, saying, "Okay, still there." Still there. <laughs> Imagine like losing that on the trail, and then be like, "Okay, this was a fun hike, I guess." I do. <laughs> yeah, I do remember one thing. He kept like walking around the top of the mountain, and I was getting kind of like bored. I was like, "Like, let's go down now," and he just like trying to find a. a place of isolation where he could propose to me and at that point I kind of knew because he was just kind of like well let's go check this place out over here and so yeah I kind of knew <laughs> yeah that's funny fun. where were you hiking uh blood mountain yeah it's uh in Georgia I, I, there's like a, another name for it but 
yeah, it was called like Blood Mountain or something. Blood no Diamond? better place for proposal than Blood Diamond. I know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why Blood I, Diamond I always try to remember Diamond the other Blood. name, but it's something way like Neil's Gap, I think, or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Blood Mountain. <laughs> that's we awesome. Have that that's, yeah. That's how, that's funny because that's actually how like we kind of did our own vows when our wedding got canceled because we got engaged the year before COVID and then when the wedding was supposed to happen, all of that hit. But I was doing the same thing, Connor. I had these silicone bands in my pocket as kind of like, this was supposed to be your wedding day. Let's do our own little thing at the top of this mountain. And she didn't know. And the whole way up, I was just like, I would unzip this one pocket I had. And I was like, okay, I still, I still got him. And I couldn't think about anything else the whole way up. <laughs> but I don't know how you were, Connor, but I remember the day that I proposed to Ash. I was like, I'm pretty good at speaking. Like, I don't need to plan what I'm going to say to her. Like, it'll just come to me. Like, it'll, it'll be fine. And then I always joke with her that I think I just blacked out. I don't remember a <laughs> single thing I said to her. Like, I think I was just so nervous. I was like, uh, Pittsburgh means a lot. And, uh, I love you and want to, uh, we should get married. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I was, I don't remember what I said. I remember what happened and like where we were um what we did like i played like a little song we kind of just danced and then i like proposed um but as far as like what i said i was probably just like here's your ring like, <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, yeah. i've never talked to any guy that really remembers or is like yeah i had it i had it all figured out. it was all good <laughs> like all my best friends are like yeah dude i don't know what i said like I, I all i knew is she had the ring on her finger and we were good to go <laughs> and so I, I'm glad we're in the same boat there. Yeah, because I thought for sure it'd be smooth sailing, and it was not. <laughs> but you didn't have a hunch that day, right? No, but ours was like a unique scenario where we were moving to Florida from Pittsburgh, and so we were doing like our last Pittsburgh, like hoorah, yeah, hoorah, like going to all of our favorite places, and so. Yeah, no, I had no idea. <laughs> it was a good cover up. I mean, I'm pretty like when it comes to that stuff, I don't I wouldn't I'm not the smartest. And so like I walked out of the I mean, you guys know the university club on Pitt's campus. I walked out of the elevator, elevator and there was like pictures of us hanging from balloons and I still was like Oh my gosh, like what a way to end our Pittsburgh like journey. Like wow. <laughs> yeah, we had this whole setup, like the balloons, the pictures, there was roses sitting there, there were candles everywhere, and she still didn't realize what was happening until she read this sign that had like the Song of Solomon on it, so she's a little slow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's fun. That's hilarious. It's did Sorry. you know that he put those pictures there? Like, or did you just think that like the universe I <laughs> no, I knew he. I, <laughs> I knew he put them there, but I honestly thought it was just like a way to end our Pittsburgh journey. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, meanwhile, Aww. we're in the university club. Like, why the fuck would I take you there to end our Pittsburgh journey of all places? <laughs> like, come on. But it, it all worked out because I worked there. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, um, well, then going from you, you guys said you were going to plan your wedding or you're in the midst of planning your wedding where is that process at it's um <laughs> so, so much has been happening over the past few months honestly um you know like career stuff personal things so it's kind of on the back burner but it's like i don't feel a need to rush into that um i know i want a wedding but i also 
I also know that I'd be much happier at my wedding if I just take care of a few things first. So, um, you know, that's important to me, making sure that I'm in a good place in life. Um, and, you know, some people would say, well, like life is always going to have twists and turns, but, you know, I think like in my gut, I don't feel like I'm ready to, to have like to put together a celebration, you know, mm-hmm. that would be of quality and <clears throat> of the, de- you know, the degree of quality that I would want for myself and like my family and his family, you know? So, um, yeah. Absolutely. I love that. I love that you're not in a rush and you're just kind of taking things as they, as they come. And you're so right. Like it's one day. So if you don't want to just like do it to get it done with, like, especially if you want the wedding, like I I think that's a really good approach to take. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the only thing I'll say is coming from us who we just got married in June definitely make sure you're in in the right headspace because we both like had the best day ever but we were both saying that all the cliches of oh it goes by so fast like your parents will tell you that your friends will tell you that like you literally get through to the end of the night and you're like holy shit it's over yeah it's crazy (laughs) you feel like you missed 90 percent of what happens yeah Yeah. it's just so much planning for like a like a short period of time and it's like all right there it goes. So <laughs> yeah, that's kind of we kept saying that too. We like would wake up the next day, and then even on the honeymoon, we were like, "Wow, that's just over." Yeah. That two years of planning. <laughs> that was and really fun. That's just but done. That's, it's done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think we'll get to planning. Um, if I'm being honest, probably at the beginning of you know this coming year, mm-hmm. uh, I'll start to like really hunker down and like look at more venues because we have looked at venues, but there isn't something around here that we've absolutely fallen in love with yet so I just I want to make sure that I'm in a place where I'm like oh this is it you know so Mm -hmm. and maybe we never find that maybe we settle with like a hotel and like that's that you know hotel ballroom and honestly that wouldn't be so bad either like I I think there's a lot of pressure to have like this picture perfect wedding and like the perfect venue and everything but at the end of the day it's about having the people you love there you know so yeah Yeah, that's that's why I was or yeah, I guess I should say I, I was so bad at making decisions because I was like, I don't care. Like all I care about is having people that we love there. Like that is all I care about. And so it was on one hand good because it makes it easier. But on the other hand, bad when like his parents were trying to help us so much, which is like, it's just the logistics. It's like, you have to make a decision. And I'm like, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We figured it out though. You, yeah. You, we ended up making some decisions. We did. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I have a feeling our indecisiveness will be pretty bad. <laughs> I think yeah. in the beginning, everyone that was helping us, because initially we were supposed to have it in my hometown at a family like camp. Uh, and I shouldn't call it a camp. It's like a full on, like luxurious log cabin. But we were supposed to have it there. That cabin burned down the year <laughs> oh. before. And we were like, holy shit, okay, I guess we need to find somewhere else. And that's when we found the place where we did have our wedding in New York. And uh, so everything shifted over. But initially, my family was doing everything. They were, like, coordinating how to get all the tents and the, the chairs and all that shit out to the, the property. And, I mean, they were going, like, full-on gung-ho. And I think initially, they were like, oh, this is great. Ashley doesn't care. We'll just, zip, like, we'll zip through all this. And then <laughs> it became, like okay, you have to make a fucking decision at some yeah. point. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. We're, 
we're both so indecisive, but I'm trying, that's actually one of the things I'm trying to improve on, stop being so indecisive. And because indecision is just insecurity in my opinion, you know, like, mm -hmm. and so I, I want to eliminate that. That is my weakness. It's really <laughs> bad with me. So like, I'm, I'm, you know, trying to work through that and take more decisions for myself because I do think that it simplifies things and makes you feel a little bit more confident. You gain sure. confidence time, yeah. Ash can be your accountability partner for that. You can, work on, it. you can work on it together. We should start a coaching program for people who are indecisive and just like <laughs> accountable. Like what decisions have you made today that you hesitated on? Everything. Okay. That would probably crush. We could make a killing. We split the profits 50-50. It'll be great. All right. Well, don't put this in the podcast episode because someone's going to steal our idea. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it's out there already. I'm yeah. sure it's out there. Anytime I come up with a good idea, someone did it six years ago. I'm like, well, <laughs> I tried. <laughs> uh, I, what, I was, I was going to say something else too about the wedding. I lost where I was. Do you have anything you were mm. going to add? I don't think so. Oh, I know what I was going to say. You guys were talking about the pressure of having like the picture perfect wedding. We have a friend. She just got married at the courthouse in San Francisco and her pictures and like the whole thing were, have you seen yeah, pictures? they beautiful. turned out beautiful. Like you would have thought they were at some kind of five star hotel. And like, I, maybe it's just San Francisco's courthouse, but it was insane. <laughs> it looked they did amazing. make a comment that they have a really nice courthouse. Yeah, but it turned <laughs> out beautiful because that, and that's all they wanted. Like you just got to go with what you want and not have all the pressure of everybody else. And yeah, they saved a shit ton of money. <laughs> we've gone back and forth of like, do you want a wedding just with like family and like a couple close people or like, you know, a hundred plus 150 plus people. Mm -hmm. And I think that's still like our first thing that we need to like knock out. Cause then mm -hmm. from there, I guess you can pick the venue, but yeah, it's just so tough to, to decide that. Yeah. I think yeah. we talked about that initially, but then both sides of our family are so huge that it was pointless to even try to whittle it down to just close family because yep. she's got 15 or 16 first cousins. I've got 15 first cousins. So right there you're talking like now <laughs> yeah. you've got 70 people at the wedding already. So <laughs> may as well invite the extra 30 that are friends and just call it a day. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Dang. That's a big family. Oh yes. yeah. The pictures were a nightmare. <laughs> nightmare it was like roll call like they just had to go through every name on both sides and then wrangling up 30 people on both sides of the family for group pictures it was insane but i'm glad you guys are going to start planning at the beginning of next year so that's exciting um mm -hmm. let me ask you this i'm going to completely shift topics a little bit here so you guys obviously have a strong relationship together and at this point, we were just talking before we started rolling that you've got this group of friends where you just moved to, and now you're kind of starting to form that community of people around you. One thing that we talk a lot about with our clients and even potential clients is this concept of like people being in your circle, people being in your corner, like one versus the other, especially with you, Marilyn, kind of going off on this, this journey of coaching and entrepreneurship. Have you noticed like a big divide there where there are people who, meaning your circle, like just friends, family, associates, people who support you and are your friends versus, oh, these people actually care about me and support me and hold me accountable. Have you noticed a big difference there when you've kind of made that jump over the last year or so? Yeah, I would say that 
since making the jump to fitness coaching, I've actually found more friendships, like that accountability, that support, um, you know, the in the trenches type friends through social media, like me and Ash reconnected. I made a bunch of other friends with different coaches online. Um, but that's not something like my day-to-day friends really understand. Like they don't understand the social media business and you know what it takes to market yourself and all that type of stuff. So I tend to keep those topics of conversation pretty separate unless, you know, that's impacting my emotions to some degree, then, you know, I can talk to other friends like that. But I, um, one of the things I noticed is like when I did get into online fitness coaching, I just assumed that all my friends would be very, very supportive Mm -hmm. and would like repost my business and help me like get the, the word out. And it was like crickets, like no one did anything, you know, like, so it was kind of scary because it doesn't necessarily mean they don't support it, but there was no outward demonstration of support. So it was, it was kind of discouraging sometimes. It's like, you know, um, the people who would repost and would get excited and that sort of thing, like those are the people that I really value because um, I would do the same for them, you know, and I have done the same for people who have started businesses or whatnot that I truly believe in. So yeah, I can, we can really, really relate there. Um, I, I'll, we've talked about this in a previous episode, but honestly, I think that was the number one thing that I was not expecting when we started Ballistic was how much we thought we were going to get support from those individuals. And like you said, it was crickets. And I think that probably more so on my end, that's something that I struggled with big time. Um, just cause I, I wasn't expecting it at all. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think too, and this is not a diss on my parents at all. Cause I love them. And now they're like all in on the business, but it probably took what a year and a half for them to actually start looking at it. Like, Oh, they, they make money. Like they actually do well for themselves and this is like sustainable. Um, so you know, now they're fully on board and it's amazing, but it took time just for them. And they're like our closest, one of our closest, you know, relationships. And so same thing with friends, like just kind of crickets, not, not posting your shit, not supporting you. It, it can be tough for sure. But were you going to say something, Ash? Yeah, I, th- I think like what you said, Marilyn, it's just like they just they don't they don't understand or they're just not in it. They don't get it. And that's. There, there's nothing like wrong with that. It just was hard at first. <laughs> yeah. I think. No, con- oh, go ahead, Marilyn. Well, I was just going to make a comment on the family thing. Like, I think, especially because like our parents are from a different generation, they just don't understand what we're doing. It's very mm-hmm. abstract to them, too. Even if they have a social media account, they don't understand how profitable business can be online and then also like when you first start your business things aren't like you don't automatically you know like when you get a a new job for example you start getting that paycheck right away right but like when you start an online business you have to build your clientele you don't get your paycheck right away like there's a a greater investment of your time and unpaid time right so Mm -hmm. it takes some unwavering trust of yourself that you know it's going to work out and not everyone will have that in you so you it's something I've had to learn like to trust myself and not rely on other people's validation so yeah for sure 
I think that's a great point. I, I used to say that to Ash quite a bit. You know, our parents come from the generation of you get a job, you work there for 30 years, you retire, like, and it's very stable. Uh, yeah. Whereas now, like you said, it's it's kind of hard to comprehend. I mean, even if we sit back and look at it, it's kind of insane to think that you can have a relatively small, like a small following and generate, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars a month off of that following with zero overhead, essentially less than a thousand dollars of operating expenses and the rest, depending on if it's just you, you and a partner, I mean, there's not a lot of additional expenses. It's mostly profit that you can put back into the business. And that's definitely something I think you're right that our parents are thinking about starting a business in the nineties versus starting a business now in 2021. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Way different. Yeah. Way different. Now for Connor, for you, like you're not in that same realm, right? But you're alongside Marilyn seeing her go through those experiences. If, was it hard for you to see her kind of battling with that and starting to identify, Hey, I'm not getting the support that I was expecting or, uh, anything along those lines? Like, was that something that you noticed or something I can tell from the smiles? That's definitely a <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, I've always been her number one supporter. Um, I hope that's true. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there have been many, many conversations we've had where since the day she started this, it's like, I don't know if this is the right thing that I want to be doing. Like I'm putting in so much work and like, I feel like I should be here, but I'm here. And, uh, you know, I, I truly believe that the people who do succeed at things of this nature, like entrepreneurship and businesses of this type are the ones who consistently show up and just never quit because there's going to come a point in time where it's just going to like crack through that ceiling. And that's what I just tried to repeat to her. Like every single time I was like this, this inflection point where you're thinking about quitting that's like the next step you need to take in order to keep growing. And, uh, you know, it couldn't be any more true. I mean, she's had a handful of clients now that she gets to work with. Lots of them are recurring and, um, plenty of opportunities outside of her own business that are popping up now too. Um, and if she didn't keep going that, that wouldn't have ever happened. Mm -hmm. So, Absolutely. It's been very inspiring to see too. That's awesome. And I love that. Obviously you came out and started with like, I'm her number one supporter. I love that because we always preach about, even though we're in the business together, like we're, we're a team We're we're going to be each other's like our rock and our foundation. And we're going to like push through these difficult circumstances together. And a lot of that came with like navigating these difficult conversations that are associated with this topic that we're talking about. And I don't know if the two of you kind of went to bat together and had these conversations with friends or families, but how did you handle or navigate those situations? Did you approach family or friends? Did you say anything to them? Did you just kind of let it be? And was it primarily on you, Marilyn, or did you and Connor handle that together? Kind of what did that look like? Um, 
like about starting coaching in particular? Yeah, just, yeah, like starting coaching or maybe when you're not receiving that support, addressing it directly with that individual or trying to explain exactly what it is that you're doing yeah. and the passion and the determination behind it. It, it was really difficult. Um, I never really talked to anybody other than, well, like my parents, I would say, in terms of gaining extra support because I never expect... I mean, yes, I would love it if all my friends could support me, but like I have, you know, like my internet coaching friends that I can reach out to for support at any time. Like I always feel very supported there. Um, but in terms of like my parents, I think it was hard for them to understand like, okay, cause I, I don't know if you guys knew this. I think Ash knows this, but um, you know, I had a degree in speech and language pathology and I was gonna practice as a speech pathologist and do my PhD in speech and language pathology. And after one semester, I quit my PhD and then I went, you know, to work part-time in speech and part-time in coaching. So I was doing some in-person coaching and starting my online business as well. And so I think my parents just thought I was really lost and, um, you know, I just had to express to them my needs. Like, Hey, I know you're worried about me, but this is what I want to do. This makes me happy. And I know that the return in the long run will be worth it. Um, so I just want you to be more encouraging. I want you to understand like where I am. So I would explain my situation and kind of like, you know, what you were saying, like my passion for everything and the, the lifestyle I've pictured for myself and why I love helping people in this way. Um, because of course, speech pathology is helping people as well, but it's not in the same ways, you know, um, just the topic of interest is different, but also, um, you know, there is a little bit more coaching involved versus like direct therapy, um, like medical therapy, which is completely different, you know, coaching and counseling within scope is like kind of my forte. I love that, you know, like getting in good conversations with my clients. So just expressing that to my parents that this is like, you know, something I love about it and, um, all the different aspects I love about it. And, um, how it will benefit me in the future. And over time I received their support. And I think that, you know, of course it was ebbing and flowing, but I never really relied on them solely for support. So I would never um, get too upset if they couldn't show it to me, you know, of course it would help, but. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think we probably are in the same boat. I'm not, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. If we had any conversations, like direct conversations with friends versus family versus our parents, I really think it was just parents, right? Parents and I think a little bit of friends just asking like, or not even asking, but explaining how much it does help if you just share a post, if yeah. you save a post or no, it was really just sharing. Well, I think that's a good point too, is we were talking about parents not really understanding this, but I don't think a lot of our friends really understood either the impact it can have by sharing a post or, you know, sharing a podcast, Marilyn's rolling her eyes like, yeah, no shit. <laughs> but I think that's because a lot of times too, I think as entrepreneurs, it's easy for us to come across as like, Hey, everything is great. Like we are crushing it this month. Our sales are super high. The business is running so well. I mean, 90% of the time when someone asks me how ballistic is doing, I don't care if it's our worst month ever or our best month ever. I'm like, oh yeah, things are going great. You know, like meanwhile, we could be having a fucking train wreck of a month and be really hurting. But as an ego thing, I'm just like, no, I don't want anybody to know that. 
So friends could easily look at us and say like, oh, look at their account. Like it's so well polished. They are always seem so happy on their stories. And maybe that's why that they don't take the time to share, whatever it may be. But um, yeah, I think we primarily just had conversations with our parents. And I think that's kind of where we left it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I think that's it. Yeah. Sweet. Um, well, then moving away from work <laughs> and away from like what we're pursuing professionally in terms of fitness and more or less, I guess, hobbies, because you're both you both have the bodybuilding background. I would assume that's probably like your number one hobby is training and then, then maybe some other stuff on the side. Right. I know that's at least how we are. What what initially got both of you into bodybuilding specifically and not just going to the gym and hitting like split routines, but considering actually competing and getting into that realm. Cause we both, we all know that that's a completely different beast than just trying to train to have a decent physique and look good in a large t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. I'll take this one. I'll start. Um, so as far as actually competing was when I was at Pitt, um, we had the bodybuilding fitness club or fitness and bodybuilding. I think it was. Um, and I became really good friends with the president of the club at the time and his roommate. And we started like training together. Um, and that's when I, I would say that I like officially started training. Um, cause prior to that, like I lifted weights and stuff, but it wasn't as serious and methodical. Um, and then shortly after I met Marilyn and she is really the one that kind of gave me like the little extra nudge, like, Hey, you should like compete. I think you'd really enjoy it and you'd do well. So yeah, that was, uh, I think that was probably around March of 2014. So we'd been dating about like a month at that point. And it's so funny because I still remember the day that I decided to compete. Like I was like, I'm going to start a prep like tomorrow. Um, not the exact day, but I remember I couldn't sleep that night. I have no idea why. Um, <laughs> and oddly enough, I think I woke, like I came downstairs in our, like our house that we rented at college and it was like two in the morning. I made, an entire box of pasta and while I'm eating like sitting there eating I was like I'm gonna prep I'm starting prep tomorrow <laughs> and, uh, yeah ever since then uh rest is history I mean I'm not I definitely wouldn't say that I'm like actively you know like in an off season right now or like training to compete um yeah that's that's how it started for me I actually never knew that story about the pasta. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, like you said, learn something new in your relationship. Boom. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I couldn't sleep and I was starving. So, so Marilyn <laughs> gave you the extra nudge. Marilyn, were you already competing at the time or were you just basically saying like, hey, I think this would be something you'd be good at. You should try it. Um, so I was competing. So I started competing in 2013 and, uh, I had plans to compete again when I met Connor. Um, so I was competing uh, at the time, but I didn't know when I was gonna start prep, but then had plans. I don't know if like I decided on a show before you or if we decided on the same show or like how that worked out though. 
like Brad decided like shortly after I started on the same show. Yeah. So we decided so did to do you do show. you what did the that? same show? Uh it, no. It's almost at the same show. So the night before the show I dropped out because I wasn't ready. Um and I dieted for a few more weeks and I competed like I think a month or two later, two months later. Yeah, two in a different show. Yeah. But I always knew Connor would do well in bodybuilding because I felt like he just had great muscle mass. Um, like that was one of the things that like, not to get like TMI, but that attracted me to him, like was his, <laughs> the thickness of his back. It was incredible. <laughs> and uh, I was like, you need Ash to is not from the bodybuilding world. So she's like, why would she describe <laughs> it that way? Oh, I love it. I think it's so funny. I'm just like, what? <laughs> Ash, I would love to see you flex, Ash, because I, I try know... to teach her how to pose. It's it's abysmal. Yeah, my face is turning <laughs> red. Like my muscles cramp. <laughs> I know. I remember we talked about that last time. You were like saying, I think we talked about it last time. You were just saying like, yeah, I can't have... even flex my biceps. <laughs> yeah, I still have pictures from, I guess, when we first started dating. I was like, I'm doing a show. I still have pictures in my room of her taking them and like me trying to do like a rear lat spread and it just looked so bad. <laughs> Everything looked awful. So. That's awesome. Yeah. We, uh, I can only have, so let me go this route first with you guys were both prepping for the same show. Now, when you were prepping for that show, as you started getting closer and like the diet started getting way more regimented and dialed in, did you just like, was it world war three every time you were together? Cause you were both so irritable and you just wanted to kill somebody. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really and we were like, I was living at his place for the summer because my lease was up and I was transitioning to a new place. So I think it was like two months I was living at his place. And it was like the two months before his show and it was awful. Like, I, I remember one specific disagreement we got in. We'll just leave it at that. I don't like the word fight because I, I just feel like that's such a nasty word. But, um, you know, there was tension. And like one one time, like he left me a note. He's like, I'm going to the movies with Cole. Like, and that was that, you know? And, and I was like, okay, bye. Like, so you know, he needed his alone time. So he took it. And, um, you know, I was just in my own head a lot. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is, uh, I figured that was the case. Cause I know how I felt when I was prepping for shows and not that, I mean, Ash, you probably can't relate completely because you no. haven't, you haven't been to that point where you're no. like truly so deprived that you will, you have no patience. Yeah, I I don't that's like literally I think like you said, I think I could like bodybuilding, but I I'm really bad when I get hangry. <laughs> like nope, and that's no. like when I'm well fed. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I think I told Marilyn, I might have told you this when you were on the podcast last time. Are you gonna say something mean? No, you're gonna oh. I've told you this story. When I was about it was an entire well, I guess it was for an entire semester. But towards the middle of the semester, when I really was in the middle of prep for this show, I had a class. I can't remember what it was. It was a class that had nothing to do with my degree. Mm -hmm. I hated it with with everything in my being. And I just, I had to take it as like one of those gen ed credits that you had to fulfill that category. And I remember every, it was in the basement of this building. And every day I walked in, I sat in the very back row and I had my hood up. 
and I would lean my head back against the chalkboard because I was just so fatigued because I hadn't eaten yet because it was the early class of the day. I was already at the gym for a couple hours. And by the end of the semester, right before the show, this teacher came up to me and she was like, Derek, we do have counseling services on campus. If, If you, if if you need help, like we're, I'm here for you. <laughs> and I'm like, I wow. literally just start laughing. I'm like, Hey, I'm really sorry. I'm just, I'm dieting for a bodybuilding show. And uh, she's like, okay. Cause you really looked like you were in a dark place. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. This poor woman thought I was on the verge of suicide. Meanwhile, I just hadn't eaten a carb in like six weeks. Yeah. That's uh well, it would raise some red flags. Like if you, especially if you're not seeing how the person looks underneath their clothes and their face is just getting thinner and thinner and they're getting more and more fatigued. Like I would think the same thing. I'd be like, this person's getting depressed. Like yeah. body's rejecting food. Like was, something's going on. I was going to say like, if I hadn't announced to my coworkers at the time of my prep that like, Hey, I'm going to be doing a prep. Like they probably like a couple months in would be like, are you okay? Because your <laughs> clothes are like falling off your body, your face is sunken in, and you're really not that happy anymore. <laughs> so, yeah, and yeah, it's, that's that like I is funny to us, right? Because we experience it and we know it's just part of the process. But I feel like anyone listening that hasn't done a show, they're probably like, "Why so would you?" Yeah, <laughs> Ash, anybody else? Why would you ever do that to yourselves? What is it about? bodybuilding and compete competing in bodybuilding specifically that both of you love I'm so curious yeah I think for me it's uh it's more of a internal I don't want to say battle um but it's just like a a set period of time in your life where it's like just pure internal growth um because every single day you need to show up and check off the boxes and if you miss a day this is just in my head but i would think the people that i was going to be facing on stage they're checking their boxes every single day 100 percent, they're not missing a beat so it really kept me like regimented um and there was always something that I would pull out of it, whether it be like spiritually, mentally, physically, um, in a good way. And always at the end of prep, like it just makes the rest of life seem so easy. Like once you start eating food again and like cutting <laughs> back on like the intensity of your training and like feeling good again, it's the things that prior to prep seemed uh difficult now or just like inconsequential like it doesn't i don't know i would say it's probably similar to like how a parent feels like prior to having a kid and after having a kid it's like those little things that are annoyances and like mattered it's just like it's nothing now so that's that was always a nice thing like coming out of prep um you know, but that, that fades over time and then you kind of fall back into your, your old ways and habits. But yeah, those are, those are some of the things that I always pulled from it. Yeah. For me, I would say in a similar sense, it's just cool to see where your mind can take your body. Um, 
I mean, cause your mind and your body are, it's your body. Right. But, um, but yeah, I think it's, it's cool because you're able to push past challenges, you know? And, um, I think the, one of the most fun parts of bodybuilding is straight up. I love seeing shreds and I love seeing muscle development. Like that's... Ash is laughing at you because she's never heard anyone say seeing shreds. No, I'm not. La- <laughs> I have I have something to say after because <laughs> I'm not laughing at you. <laughs> but it's it's cool because it's like um, you know like you do feel very disciplined and I think it's easy to fall into a trap though where you feel kind of egotistical in a way like of oh, look what I'm doing to my body I'm better than so and so you know, Nancy over there who's eating a bag of chips at her lunch break. I don't know. Like, and I always try to keep myself in check. Like whenever I used to prep, um, like that or diet or any, any sort of like, you know, any sort of diet. Right. So I do find it rewarding in the mental aspect, but also just seeing those changes is really freaking cool. You know, it's cool. Hell yeah. <laughs> what were you going to add Ash? I was just laughing because I've, I don't think I've ever, ever told either of you this, this story, oh but Marilyn, like one of the very, this might've been our first phone conversation. We were talking about bodybuilding and CrossFit. And I think I asked you, I'm like, I just don't get it. Like <laughs> I want to like bodybuilding. Like I, I want to like that type of workout, but I just don't. And you mentioned like, no, it, you do challenge yourself mentally and, how difficult that part or not difficult, but how cool that part or aspect is. And that has stuck with me big time because I don't know if you saw in our stories, but I started doing more of a bodybuilding type workout as of yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) She's killing it one day in two days, two days, days. (laughs) but that like, I just think, I think what you said about the mental aspect, it's really cool. And that's like what intrigues me. Yeah, that's fair. I don't, I don't know if I'll ever compete, but I think it's, it's just a cool, different challenge. And, you know, we were talking about it too, though. Like bodybuilding is cool. And so I have two things to say. Number one, you don't need to bodybuild to, to have that sense of discipline or structure. Uh, but number two... I think the hardest part for bodybuilders, especially, is being able to maintain that lifestyle outside of competition. Like what happens in your off season, right? Like a lot of people, like they get demotivated and they lose sight of what really matters because in the long run, what really matters is longevity. I mean, to most people, I would hope like longevity, good health, um, you know, a decent body fat percentage where you're not you know, at risk for chronic illness because you're overweight or whatnot. So being able to maintain a good body composition, um, but not necessarily being shredded, we lose sight of that because like bodybuilders are perfectionists at the core, I feel like. And, um, you know, they apply that same perfectionist mentality towards their body, which might not always be appropriate. So deciding and deciphering between what is an appropriate amount to care about like my physique and um you know perfecting it necessarily or sorry perfecting it per se um versus like you know what is inappropriate because it can get out of hand especially in your off season if you're like really hard on yourself and you know you try to maintain those same habits and routines it's just not sustainable 
um, or at least the same body fat level, right? That's not sustainable, but you can maintain those habits and routines to some extent, but they don't have to be as rigid, you know? And I think a lot of people become inflexible. So, um, yeah, like I, my basic message there is saying like bodybuilding is great for discipline, but at the same time, I'm equally as impressed as just a regular lifestyle person, right? Like a lifestyle client or just like a person who just wants to maintain this in the long run. Cause that's the hardest part. I think like people who want to make this a lifestyle. Yeah, for sure. I couldn't agree more. I, along, along the lines of what both of you just said, I loved it. Number one to see like physical transformation. I don't, I'm not ranking these in order, but the first point is to see physical transformation. Like you had mentioned Marilyn. And then two, for me, I've always been a big, I've always been addicted, I'm probably addicted. I've always been addicted to the feeling of I'm doing something that most people aren't willing to yeah. or that aren't capable of. Like I am doing something that you're not willing to do and I love that. And so that was another reason I loved it because I thought it's, it, it, I think it transitions into the discipline and everything that's behind it. But to me, I would wake up and think, okay, 99% of people are not getting up at, 4:30 and going and doing fasted cardio for two hours and then studying for their exams and and whatnot because uh, I was doing it back in college but those are the two things that drove me but just like you said I think bodybuilding really fucked up my like my mind just in terms of my physique and putting my putting my identity in fitness and into my physique and then ending up with body dysmorphia and just getting into that that area like you said of letting it get carried away. And, you know, at this point, just like you had mentioned, Marilyn, I think folks who can just live like, a, I don't want to call it a general population life, but can live a normal life, work a nine to five job and exercise three to four times a week just to keep themselves at the body weight and the body composition they're at and fucking love it. Like, I wish I could do that. That's awesome. Because I, because just like you said, I'm a perfectionist and obsessive over, oh, I could look better. I could be leaner regardless of what season of life I'm in. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's something that I've had to really learn over time because, I mean, as I mentioned, I think on the previous podcast, you know, I've had a lot of health issues and it's made me cherish my body for what it is. And ironically, the less I tried to change my body's physique, the better my physique ended up looking because I wasn't chasing a body fat. Um, my body fat kind of settled at a really great, in my opinion, great place. And so, um, you know, like if I have off days uh, with my eating or like, you know, if we go on vacation or something like that, I'm not so worried because as soon as I get back home and resume my regular routine without guilt, like my body fat stabilizes all over again. So finding that is difficult for people. And I think part of it is learning to let go of that perfectionism and learning to like understand you're going to have those thoughts, but not amplifying them or giving them attention to the point where they're like, you're hyper-focused on it, right? It's easy to get hyper-focused on one thing, but everyone's different too. Like you might be looking at your physique and thinking, oh, I could look better, but it's motivated and exciting for you, right? But if it gets to a point where it's taking over your life and draining you, like that would be more um, dysfunctional, I would say. So there's nothing wrong with wanting to change how you look as long as it, I would say, either impacts you positively or neutrally. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. That's how I view things. Yeah, boom. Mic drop. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Okay, and then I have, before we change subjects, I want to ask 
a couple random questions. One, what did you both eat backstage before you walked out? I already answered this one, but uh, do you want me to answer now or do you want to say the second question first? No, let's <laughs> let's go with this one first. So you can go ahead. I had a sub. I know you did too, didn't you, Derek? No, I, I did some. I didn't do a sub. I, I remember you telling us that, but I did rice cakes with marshmallow fluff and honey and i think it was like sprinkles and that's what we i ate like three of those before i walked and then did a bunch of like band work and then walked out on stage (laughs) what did you have i think the first show i did i don't even remember i think it was just like a snickers bar Mm -hmm. and then the second show i did it was like a little bit before like getting ready to pump up was like baked lays and maybe some honey, I think. And then like a little bit closer to before pumping up, I think it was just like one or two Reese's cups. Nice. Solid. Yeah. I, that was like my favorite part of the whole show prep. I was like, thank God I can eat this yeah. food. And then between shows, I like completely threw it all out the window. Like between the morning <laughs> and evening show, I think I ate like, a Big Mac and a and a chicken sandwich from McDonald's between shows. It was just like fuck oh. it. If I if I looked good for the pre-show, I'll, uh, that's all that matters. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you probably look just as good, if not better, for the night show too. Yeah, it it came out all right. I mean, I ended up doing well, but I definitely I think the Big Mac plus the chicken sandwich was a little too much. I could have probably yeah. turned it down a bit. I was a little bloated, <laughs> but it's all right. It it all worked itself out. Yeah. Um. What was I going to, I had another random question I was going to ask you guys in regards to bodybuilding. What, what did you eat it? after or no? Oh, I, I mean, I guess we could ask that. I ate well, way I too I'm much. I'm just thinking of your question. <laughs> yeah. Did you guys go full overboard after your show and like overdo it? I, I mean, I'll take this one. My first show that I did went so overboard that my body required me to throw up because I was in so much pain. Yeah. Like my stomach was just that expanded that I was like laying on the couch with her. Like she's passed out in a food coma too with me. And I'm laying there just like, can't literally can't move because <laughs> my stomach just felt like it was going to rip. Yeah. And uh, I kind of just rolled off the couch went to the bathroom and threw up um so yeah if you're going to be prepping and you do a show (laughs) make sure you stay hydrated after the show because i just ate 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 and then drank like 20 plus ounces of water because i was so thirsty from all the salt and then that's when it hit me and i was like oh i'm in trouble yeah yeah, drink water and uh, manage how much you're you're taking in. Because I did the exact same thing after yeah. my first show. I went ballistic. I mean, I probably ate easily over five thousand calories just in one sitting. I mean, I I destroyed everything they put in front of me, and I did the exact same thing. I couldn't move. My stomach hurt so bad that I went. I remember I went back in my room and laid on my bed like full spread eagle and just thought, please just make it through this and then the moment i could eat again i ate again it was so <laughs> i i gained i told Marilyn on the last podcast i gained 20 pounds overnight <sighs> yeah it was so bad like that I, just imagine the, the havoc that wreaked on my body i didn't have the balls to weigh myself the next day <laughs> <laughs> it's probably yeah. good that you didn't yeah, I it's think probably so. good that you didn't 
Um, oh, I, I know what I was going to say. What was your go-to form of cardio leading up to the show? Do you do the same thing over and over and over, or did you try to mix it up? So for my first show, it was um, incline walking at a, like a moderate pace. Loved it. It was fasted. Um, I did it like five days a week, 30 minutes. And it was just so motivating. I would put on like some great jams and just like walk to the beat of the music. And that was great. My second show, I had to get leaner because I was doing physique or sorry, my third show. I did two shows in bikini. My third show about a year later, I did uh, natural physique. So I had to get leaner and I was doing um, like 40 minutes of hit intervals. I don't know why I did 40 minutes of hit intervals. Um, on the Stairmaster. It was awful. Fasted every morning at 3.30. So yeah, I would just say that um, there was a lot of gray area with like my coach at the time. I feel like it wasn't really clear on like the protocol that I had to do. Like, for example, um, I wouldn't consider that hit cardio. Like that was more just like, you know, not H-I-I-T cardio. Like that was just more high intensity, like intervals. Um, but not like by the textbook definition where it's like all out. It was just a higher intensity. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of gray area. That prep was strange, but <laughs> but that was my go-to cardio. What about you, Derek? Or what about Connor? I don't know who goes next. Connor, who goes next? Yeah, for me, for my first show, I think it was just walking, just like walking on incline. Um, be like random days. I was just like, I think I'm gonna go like hop on Stairmaster and I do that instead. Um, and then second show, there was training days. I would just do like walk on an incline for 20, 25 minutes usually. Um, you know, as I get closer to the show, that time had to get bumped up because I wasn't burning as many calories. Um, and then there was like one day a week. I think I didn't lift. And I just went to the gym and hopped on a bike for like an hour, maybe 45 minutes just to like get like a big chunk of my weekly calories knocked out. Um, and then the remainder I could just do on training days, like on the treadmill. Yeah. I think there's a common theme cause mine was incline walking on the treadmill. That's what my coach told me to do. And I was like, all right, cool. Cause my coach wasn't very clear either. He was kind of just like there along for the ride with us. He was doing it for free. We were like, He's kind of like one of the bros. We're like, sure, we'll listen to whatever you say. Like, yeah, you're like you're you got your pro card last year. Like, we'll listen to you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Meanwhile, I mean, the shit that some of the shit we're doing, and you guys have probably been in the same boat. I'm just looking back, thinking there was no rhyme or reason to some of the stuff that we were doing, some of the stuff that we were taking. It's just like yeah. I can yeah. remember. I've told Ashley this. Do you guys remember back when Oxy Elite Pro was like a big thing? Yep. Oh I yeah. Think. I. I used to wake up for show oh, yeah. prep. I would pop one of those. I didn't need to eat for hours and I could train for like three or four hours straight. It was so mm -hmm. bad. So bad for me. Yeah. I, I took, I think that it was called like shreddable, mm -hmm. but like bull was like a, the animal bull. Mm -hmm. And I never took Oxy Pro, but I would imagine it, basically had the same thing like yeah. that that is literally what got me through the last eight weeks of my prep oh yeah it's just straight ephedrine into your system and you're like whatever it takes yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, was, it worked great um yeah. 
but yeah. I remember Oxy Elite Pro got re- recalled like six weeks after our show ended. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> my, <laughs> I'm going to die. <laughs> but I'm still alive. I'm still here. So it all worked out. Uh, all right, moving away from competing and kind of wrapping things up. Right now, do you do either of you have any plans to compete in the future? I know, Marilyn, we talked about this a little bit on the last episode, but maybe Connor can chime in as well. Any plans to compete in the near future or what's your fitness going to look like in the near future? So I'll just start off because I don't know what I said last time. I don't know if this is going to change. Like, I don't know if I said I was going to compete last time, but I decided not to anymore. And the reason for that is because, um, first of all, the passion isn't there anymore to get to that level of conditioning. Um, I will just say, you know, I think a lot of my motivation for bodybuilding in the past, um, when I was younger came from a place where, um, you know, it was, it was a hobby that I enjoyed and then have a lot of responsibility. And also it was functioning from a place of pain. Like I was, um, going through a lot emotionally and I didn't realize it. And that was kind of my crutch. That was like what I used to feel in control. So, um, I didn't really have a healthy relationship with it stuff that I'm, you know, beginning to realize and everything. Um, so in terms of competing, probably not. I just also, um, you know, really value my health now and don't want to put my body through that much stress because I really think that like your balance with stress is super important. Mental stress, physical stress, it's all just the same thing, right? Like it pretty much affects the body almost, um, in similar ways, like similar pathways. So, um, you know, with like all these new responsibilities in life and all my new goals with my life, um, it's just not something that I really want to introduce. Like I really value, um, you know, a healthy balanced body. And especially because I do feel like my body is more stress prone, um, just having gone through some illness. So you have to kind of know where you're at. Right. Um, so it's not appropriate for everybody. And I think a lot of times people will be like, Oh, like, you know, bodybuilding, um, you just have to be in it for the long haul and people who drop out never really loved it. And it's like, actually people who drop out of bodybuilding, maybe just had a shift in, you know, their values. In terms of future training, um, I just want to get like strong again. I feel like, you know, I've lost a little bit of strength and um, I want to get strong again. I want to continue to build muscle and regain some lost muscle (laughs) Um, because I will say like my training took a bit of a hit with like the move and transition. So that's kind of my future goal. And just um, also get into more like metabolic type workouts, some more CrossFit-esque workouts, um, throw a few of those in during the week for time efficiency. And also, cause I freaking love the feeling of a good, like EMOM, <laughs> you know? So yeah. What about you, Connor? Uh, so for me, I feel like I've been going back and forth on future plans of competing like the past couple months, probably like the past half year. Um, I don't I feel like we talked about it like a week or two ago too, but yeah, I, I don't foresee myself competing. <laughs> um, but at the same time, like that could change within like a year or two. Um, you know, I still train like really diligently, really hard and uh, always have like a progressive mindset. So 
I mean, it's, it's hard to say if I've made a lot of progress since my last show, but looking at myself in the mirror, like I know that I have. Um, so that's, yeah, I, I don't really, at least in the near future, I wouldn't say I'll be competing. Um, and like what Mayor was saying, it's like some of my values have shifted over time and, uh, it would be really hard to give up some of the things that I do value now for such an extended period of time. Like it was a, it was a shorter prep, maybe like, um, four to six months. Like I would, I would consider it. Um, but if it's anything over six, it's like the, the value that I find in competing and getting up on stage just isn't the same as it was. Um, but I'm still such a huge fan of the sport and everything that goes into it. I still follow like tons of bodybuilders on Instagram and things of that nature and still keep up with it just because I do, I do enjoy it, but that drive and passion for competing, um, for right now isn't, isn't what it used to be. Yeah, that, <clears throat> that's definitely understandable. And I think, uh, Ash, what are to chime or to tangent off of that conversation what about you bodybuilding <laughs> the build program moving forward no i'm not saying you should compete oh. i'm saying are you gonna what's your plans moving forward with your fitness yeah <laughs> i mean i keep going back and forth but i think i've not think i've committed i am going to truly give it a chance and train like split routines like true bodybuilding i am going to I'm like saying this out loud, like, <laughs> like, okay, this is real life. <laughs> I am going to shift away from the CrossFit mm. side of things and, and just like you said, Marilyn, try to get stronger and not push myself into the ground and destroy my body every single day. I think just for me, physically, I feel okay. Like I like, I love doing CrossFit. But it's more of the mind's mental side where I'm like, you, you, what you said last week, I think it was really stuck with me, which is like not going out in the gym and destroying yourself. And today was like a perfect example of that. Like I, I challenged myself. Like I could not freaking do one more bench press if you asked me to. <laughs> but like, I didn't feel that same like pain as I do when I'm doing CrossFit workouts. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. I, Ash and I were talking about this a couple of days ago when you're in the CrossFit world, you basically become brainwashed and I'm not bashing CrossFit. I love CrossFit. It gave, it gave us everything we have now in terms of our careers, but you get into this mindset of, okay, if I'm not as fit as possible, fit by CrossFit standards, then like I fucked up. Right. Like I, I can't only bodybuild because then the next time I have to do CrossFit, I'm going to die. And you yeah. get into like this mindset of, okay, I have to stay metabolically like at the peak of my metabolic Koda's <laughs> pawing me. Uh, I have to stay at the peak of like my anaerobic capacity and threshold and develop all these things. When in reality, not the case, I can do whatever mode of fitness I want and probably have a better aesthetic look because I'm enjoying what I'm doing as long as I'm still managing my nutrition and actually enjoy training because there gets to a point where Con Connor kind of to your point, 
I don't do CrossFit now like I used to because my values have changed. Like my identity is no longer in being like the fittest coach possible and always being the fittest at the gym. And I'm not willing to give up the other things that I have in life now that bring me balance and bring me fulfillment just to go out in the gym and crush myself every day and sell my soul and get, you know, 0.0001% better. So yeah. I think that's I think that's a really good point that you made of. It really depends on the season of life you're in, the value where your values are at. You know, can can you dedicate that much time and sacrifice X Y and Z if you wanted to go back to competing or go back to whatever modality is that you're talking about. Um so yeah, I really I like that. Yeah, yeah. and I I, th I think what you, what you said there that is like what really caught my attention last week when we were having this conversation, I feel like it was a millionth conversation of going back and forth if I should kind of transition or switch my training. And it is, I forget what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Think about it. If it comes back to you, you can chime back in. Okay. I want to, I want to close with this. Cause I, I know we're all, uh, we've been on here for a while, but I want to know everybody's, biggest pet peeve when it comes to the gym oh, so okay. it can be shit that other people do it can be shit that you do <laughs> stuff you see in a program <laughs> trying to think of like something stupid you do just to call you out but i can't think of anything <laughs> okay i have mine you go I'm you thinking. go first i hate when people leave their plates on the machines or on the bars like i and I made a reel about this and I, I discovered a lot through the comments that people, <laughs> people do this because they assume that, um, you know, 45 pound plates, like single plates on each side of like the leg press or the barbell, anyone can lift that. And I'm here like, no, like not everyone first of all wants to lift 135 pounds or whatever the equivalent would be on the leg press. Um, right off the bat, like some people like to warm up with the bar and some people can't even squat the freaking bar like very well, you know? So it's like, and plus some people don't even want to squat, right? So like, uh, like for a female, you don't really see a lot of females rowing 135 pounds, right? So I don't know. I just get very annoyed when it's like they take off everything except like those two plates. And it's like <laughs> just two more seconds of your time, just take it off. Um I'm laughing because I was a hundred percent that dude. Are you like, kidding? No, my ah. whole my whole crew, we were all like, That's "Fuck it, worst. if you can't do one thirty-five, like you're gonna have to take it off yourself." <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. We were those douchebags that were like, "Yeah, we were those douchebags." It was like, "No, you always start at one thirty-five, then two twenty-five. We can leave four yeah. plates on the leg press." Like we were those <laughs> idiots. Awful. Yeah, I used to be that way for sure. And I've changed my ways, but Men. yeah, same. <laughs> uh, what did you, did you think of yours, Connor? Yeah, I think my biggest one would have to be when just people having like no spatial awareness, um, mainly in front of the dumbbell rack. So people that just decide to pick up dumbbells and just stand right in front of the rack. So. Mm -hmm. Not only are you taking up the two dumbbells you have in your hands, but you're also taking up the other ten that you're blocking. Um, yeah, that's that's got to be my biggest that's, one. That's a classic. I love when dudes, when like 
guys come up, they pull like the one tens off the bottom shelf and then use the top shelf as like their support system and do single arm rows there. It's like, dude, yeah. number one, you're not strong enough to do one ten. Number two, <laughs> yeah. you're blocking literally twelve sets of dumbbells. And then they you know what the worst part is too? Like people who do what he described, like if you walk if you try to like grab dumbbells in front of them or like walk in front of them or whatever it may be, they get so upset. And it's like, you're not even supposed to be there in the first place. Like you don't own the dumbbell rack. You don't own all eight sets in front of you right now. Like, so it just gets so, so annoying. I agree. I don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> What's yours, Ash? I, I literally don't, I don't even remember the last time we were in a gym. Well, yeah, we train in our garage now and, you know, we're perfect human beings. So there's nothing <laughs> yeah, wrong with the garage. That's what I was trying to th- <laughs> I'm literally trying to think of something. We don't even train together really right now. <laughs> yeah, we were getting in too many fights. I was going to say so my biggest pet peeve now. is when you do burpees and you moan <laughs> during them. But I think it's so funny. Okay, so first it's of not all, even my pet peeve. I freaking die i don't moan i'm trying to breathe and i'm so exhausted that i can't breathe normally because you're making me go faster than i'm comfortable it's your fault what does it sound like i i don't i literally it's like he like hits his chest on the ground and it's like it's like a cry i'm like are you are you gonna be okay i genuinely ask i'm like are you okay and i know it makes him mad just getting punched in the chest so yeah i mean basically that's what's happening and she's a lot fitter than me so i'm trying to keep up and so it's just a lot of pain i mean i'm just trying to survive so funny that's all it is it's just pure survival (laughs) i'm trying to think what'd you say I was gonna say I thought it was like a, a moan moan, like a <laughs> <laughs> No, yeah, like full on do you guys do you guys watch Friends? Do you watch Friends? No, no. I should. It's do you watch that... Modern Family? No. Okay, but you're not you're not gonna get either of these references then, so I'm not even gonna say them. You guys are ruined. Your it. listeners might. Well, yeah, so there's an episode of Friends. Where Monica gets massages, and every time she gets a massage, she makes sex sounds. Oh, no. And so that, that's immediately where my head went. I was like, she's literally painting the picture that I'm just moaning on the floor as we're doing these burpees. <laughs> I'm trying to think, though, like in the CrossFit gym, if there was anything that bothered me. Oh, in, cross, in CrossFit gyms, my biggest one is when people don't set up the way that I tell them to from a coach's perspective. Oh, like when yeah. they just grab all their fucking equipment and go do their own thing and just, well, especially cause you were very, they direct. think it's, they think it's like Burger King. They can just have it their way and put it wherever <laughs> they want. I'm like, no, this is the order that it's going to go in. Or when they're, or when people are talking, like when the coach is talking, not even me, just like any coach. Yeah. But in a normal g- commercial gym, what's my biggest pet peeve? I would say anytime I see anybody doing something that like as as all of us being in the fitness space know is just fucking stupid and pointless. That's my big I don't even care what it is. If you're doing something that I look at and know like, wow, that is so stupid. I immediately despise like everything that you're doing. I'm, ju- I'm judging you hard. That's where we're different. It makes me super sad. I'm like, oh, like th- that. Like, what are they doing like that? They have no idea. Actually, my biggest one overall, both spaces, is just booty bands. <laughs> if you've got a booty band on, I'm I'm upset. 
<laughs> I literally use them for prehab. Like, Besi- okay, prehab, <laughs> rehab, that's fair. If you're using it to add extra resistance because you think it's going to sculpt and tone your ass, that's where I'm like, hmm. Mm. I yeah. don't know. Well, I totally agree. There was a, I mean, even just like doing like, you know, like people talk about like uh, inducing metabolic stress by using band work. Mm. And honestly, I feel like there's just better ways and more effective ways to induce metabolic stress than doing body weight band work. There's not much progression that you can do from there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, I, I remember I had a coach prescribe that to me. And then about like a month later, I said goodbye because I was like, <laughs> you're not who I thought you were. <laughs> <laughs> You've changed. Yeah. Uh, we, uh, we did a TikTok video on it a while back, like when we first moved to Michigan. And it was basically just like Lord me bending. doing like a just stupid, goofy <laughs> shit with these bands, like on my knees and on my wrists and stuff. <laughs> And the comments were insane. Like the video got some traction. It got like three or 400,000 views and people were trying to eat me alive in the comments. Like these bands do X, Y, and Z. Like they're how you get, yeah. Like they're how you get the legs you want. I'm like, Oh my, you poor people. There's so many people just (laughs) not educated. Yeah. They were attacking me there. That's the difference between, that's the difference between TikTok and Instagram because I made a similar video on Instagram. Ash, I don't know if you remember it, but I I had like the bands around like my knees. It was like junk volume, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know if you remember that reel, but I got good feedback from that. Like people thought it was great, but like TikTok is just the wild, wild west. Like people come at you there. Like I made a beta alanine video, like just describing the potential benefits of it like if you should take it um and uh you know like it's not appropriate for all athletes right like and it's not like anything crazy but um the people in the comments thought i was like for it completely and they were like calling me like terrible names like these teenagers they're really cool yeah. oh yeah tiktok they're savages comment section <laughs> is just it's like you said the wild wild west and then the accounts that are just complete garbage they're the ones that have all of the followers and all of the engagement there's a dude on there i wish i knew his uh, his handle because i would completely throw him under the bus here but i can't remember <laughs> He oh, is nice. by far the biggest bro douche of all time. And all he talks about are like how to get wider biceps or how to like like uh like trim like an inch off your waist by learning how to like vacuum your your stomach and all this like complete trash. But this dude is huge and jacked and so everybody loves him. And every day he starts out he's like, "Yo, pro tip." And he flexes like and gets close to the camera, and I'm just like, "Yep, this is this is why our industry is so terrible." <laughs> there is the there's one guy who I love. Um, you should check him out because I think you'll like him. They call him Daddy Noel. His name's Noel Diesel, I think. Um, what a name! And he's like, yeah. But if you're into bodybuilding, he's a great guy to follow because he just kind of gives like pretty good information, like sensible logical science-based information and uh his videos are hilarious though in high quality highly recommend you check him out <laughs> okay i'm gonna have to check him out i like that i'll uh, send you his profile <laughs> okay i like it shoot that over um ash anything else i don't think so 
I feel like we could just continue to make fun of people on TikTok all day, but we <laughs> probably probably shouldn't do that because there's probably a thousand, there's probably tens of thousands of people making fun of us. Um, so we'll, we'll call it there. Uh, but anyway, uh, Marilyn Connor, thank you guys so much for hopping on the show. Uh, we had a good time. I know that hopefully you guys did as well. Got to cover some different topics, but for anyone listening uh, that maybe didn't catch the previous episode, you were on Marilyn uh, or Connor wants to learn more about real estate accounting. Where can they find you guys? Where should they check you out at? Uh, kind of how can they get a hold of you? So you can find me on uh, Instagram. My Instagram handle is marilynk.fit. So dot as in period. Um, or you can go to thestrongerbodyproject.com and you can learn more about me on there and um, any services I offer. And then, Connor? Uh, for me, it would probably just be Instagram. My handle's at swolgelski, so swole and then G-E-L-S-K-I. I love it. Um, yeah, I need to change that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, my, my uh, activity and presence on there definitely like ebbs and flows pretty hard, so. He has fitness content on there though, so. A little bit. Check yeah. it out, he has some good tips. Um, yeah, Marilyn was literally rolling her eyes as you said Swolgowski. She was like, I can't believe I'm in touch with this guy. No, I just looked down in shame. I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> <laughs> well, kidding. Um, no, it's not well, bad. But that's, that's awesome. Yeah. We'll put that we'll put that in the show notes for everyone. Uh, but thank you again. Fantastic conversation. We'll have to do it at some point uh, in the future. Yeah. Maybe after you guys are married and in that new chapter, we'll, uh, we'll reconnect. That'd be awesome. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Whether this is your first time tuning in or if you're here with us each and every week, Ash and I just want to take a moment to express our gratitude and our thanks for your support. We could not continue to show up week in and week out without you. So if you enjoy what you hear on this channel, please, 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 as a token of your appreciation, Head over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify, really wherever you listen to your podcast, and leave us a five-star rating. Leave a review in there as well because that is how we reach more people and change more lives through this platform. And if you haven't done so already, be sure to follow and subscribe on all of our channels. We're talking Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Facebook. Get on there, hit that like button, hit the follow button, smash the subscribe button because that is how you stay in tune and in touch with all of the content that we are putting out each and every day to help you along your individual health and fitness journey. Until next time, have a great week.